The docking bays on Molia were all clear except one, which had a ship so old and rickety that it was a wonder they'd managed to get it onto the asteroid in the first place. What a piece of junk, Jester said. The best pilot on the team by far, he took a deep joy in flying and seemed personally offended by the state of the ship. He squinted at the name. Millennium Falcon. What does that even mean? Isn't a falcon a bird? People refer to ships as birds, Sphinx offered. Okay, but the millennium bit. I didn't name it. I'd like to remind everyone, Nick said, that this place could be booby-trapped to hell and back, and none of you are looking where you're stepping. Now you've done it, Mars said over the communists. Mom's angry. Yeah, yeah, but seriously. She raised an eyebrow and gave them all a look. I don't want to be cleaning blood off my armor. Talon grinned as he made his way up the steep path to the main building. The old adage went that unless the entire crew hated the XO, they weren't doing their job. Somehow, he'd managed to snag one who got people to stay on their game without inspiring their enduring hatred. All of his team was good, though. The type of person who would slack off and resent their commanding officers for calling them on it would never last on Team 9. He thought of the kid they'd seen in Dragon Selection and sighed. Nix was right. Talon wanted him on the team. That sort of speed and chaos. The kid was made to fight. Only came around rarely. Talon had been lucky enough to snag Cade when he saw it the first time, and now he was hard-pressed not to fly back to Seneca and see if Dragon Central Command would allow him to have a 17-member team. He knew they wouldn't, of course, but maybe he could just snag the kid and jet out of there before anyone noticed. Who was he kidding? Loki had probably been snapped up already. By Talon allowed himself to be bitchy for a moment. Some commander who wouldn't have the first idea what to do with him. Maybe he'd be able to recruit him in a few years later if someone moved on. Though that someone was likely to be Nyx, and the thought just made him sad. Up ahead, two figures appeared. The thick plastic that lay between them and the vacuum of space allowed the area to be lit with not-too-distant starlight. They were both female, Talon saw, and reasonably clean. This hadn't been the normal type of mining operation with the whole crew living off protein rations then. Although something was clearly different from normal, given the rubble cloud emerging from Kaczynski's hideout. What had the man been up to? Talon kept his weapon holstered as he approached the two women. He didn't need to use the infrared overlay in his visor that would show him that both of them were armed, as it was easy enough to see the distortion in their clothing. He simply had no fear that either of them could draw fast enough to shoot him, or that either of them were carrying something good enough to get through his armor. He nodded at the younger one. Are you Peace Merriweather? Yes. She gestured over to the older woman, who was glowering. This is Jilly. And your boss is... Dead, Jilly said flatly, because someone turned all of our defenses off. She gave the younger woman a look. I don't suppose you'd know why he killed himself, Talon said blandly. When he saw the flash of fear in her eyes, he knew he had her. You see, your colleague here had the right idea. I don't kill people just for the fuck of it. I wasn't intending to kill your boss. But the fact that he took the guy you were planning to execute and blew both of them up? That makes me a bit curious. She swallowed and looked away. Maybe you should think about the fact that people would die rather than talk to a dragon team. Did you not hear what I just said? I am thinking about it. So tell me, why do you think Kaczynski would rather die than talk to me? She said nothing for long enough that Talon took out his sidearm and took the safety off. I really don't have infinite time, you know. To the younger woman who looked completely horrified, he added, 
I said I don't kill people just for the fuck of it. I kill them when they deserve it, though. But she doesn't deserve it. Doesn't she? Seems like she knew something was going on. Come on, Jilly. What was it? Smuggling? Hacking? You steal some Alliance equipment? Jilly's throat bobbed. She was clearly trying to make the decision of whether talking to him or not talking to him would be better. Seems to me there's two options here, Talon said conversationally. Either it's not as bad as you think, which is actually a possibility, and I just let you go, or it is as bad as you think, in which case, when I find out what it is, and I will find out, I will be even more upset that you wasted my time by not telling me. Jilly's face had gone a grayish color by now. He was keeping slaves. Her shoulders hunched. He leased them. One of our machines broke down and he couldn't get a new one cheap enough, so... I see. Talon took a moment to look at Peace's horrified expression. He had no doubt that she was unaware of what had been going on, and she was naive enough that he almost hated to execute Jilly in front of her. Almost. He lifted his gun and shot in one smooth movement. Jilly collapsed and Peace screamed. She ran to the other woman's side to press her hand over the wound in Jilly's chest. Both of them looked up at Talon. There's a lot of things I can't be bothered to care about, Talon said. But slaves? Yeah. You know about slaves and do nothing, and I'll make sure you pay. What was I supposed to do? Jilly looked at him wildly and then down the trail at the other dragons. You're not going to let me die, are you? If I didn't want you to die, I wouldn't have shot you. Every time he credited people with having the barest amount of sense. And I wanted you to know why you were dying before you did. The look she gave him was full of hatred. Hate me all you want, Talon said with a shrug. Go to your grave thinking you did nothing wrong for all I care. But you know that none of the slaves down on those lower levels would give a damn about your excuses. And neither do I. You. Peace. How would we get them out of those levels? I... Um... She looked like she was going to faint. Boss. Nix was at his side. I'll take care of that. You head back to the docking bay. There's another dragon ship coming in. Mace. Has to speak with you specifically. Ah, good. Mace Hernandez, commander of Team 8, was one of the people Talon had hoped to speak to about the warlord. Radio back to the ship when you figure out how many slaves there are. We'll need someone to come get them before whoever leased them out, his voice was heavy with disgust, comes back to pick them up. He resisted the urge to spit on Jilly's body as he walked away. Peace might be horrified by her death, but Jilly would never have done anything about the slaves. Talon was sure of that. She'd made her choice, and the death he'd given her was far more merciful than the slaves could have expected if he hadn't come along. It was five days after the transmission, when both hope and panic had blessedly faded away, when Arlen strode into the main cavern in a towering rage. Samara looked up from where she was poring over schematics for the district walls and felt a sudden chill in the air. There was no doubt about who Arlen was glaring at, and she could tell that the rest of the people in the cavern wanted to be literally anywhere else right now. Yes? She was proud of how steady her voice was. Is there something you want to tell me? Arlen spat the words at her. No. It only seemed to make him angrier, though she knew that literally anything she said would have had the same effect. What about the weapons deal you tried to set up? He stalked towards her, and the people in his way scattered looking between him and Samara wordly. You don't want to tell me about that? Not particularly. She should be more deferential, she knew, but she found she was more angry than anything else. He had come here when the cavern was full, on purpose. He had wanted to humiliate her. 
Damn it, at least she'd tried to do something. At least they would have had a fighting chance if she had succeeded. You tried to call off planet. He pointed at her and his finger was shaking. You could have gotten us killed. Samara said nothing. The people here were trying to pretend they weren't here, but they were listening, and she wanted them to listen. You went to the launch pad, Arlen accused her. You snuck out of the district, you knew how risky it was, and you tried to call off planet, and they heard. The clampdown they've put on us this week? That was your fault, wasn't it? There was an indrawn breath from the Watchers. They had all learned, over the years, to fear the warlord seeing anything at all of their lives. Even in their own homes, they spoke in whispers. Who knew what a guard might take offense to? Samara's fists clenched. She did not look over to where Aitan was wedged miserably in the corner. He had told. That much was clear. She'd done it, though. She wasn't going to pretend that she hadn't, or get angry at him for tattling like a child. She had done it. We don't have enough weapons, she said quietly. You know that? Jacinta knew it. She gestured to the schematics. Even when we get the walls down, we won't have enough, and we can't count on being able to get them from the guards. It's too slow. We need to move fast. Forget the walls. I told you not to do this. I specifically told you not to do this. I said it was too risky. His eyes narrowed. And so did Jacinta. Don't you throw her in my face. Jacinta didn't think there was a chance. Samara agreed. So? You think you know better than her? There was a pause while Samara tried not to say the truth. It wormed its way out anyway, though. Yes. She didn't look around. She was sure they would all be staring at her in horror. Jacinta got caught. She was cautious, and she got caught. I don't think there's any way to be cautious enough, and I don't think we have a good chance of surviving very long on this planet, no matter what we do. I took a chance so that when we went through those walls, I said forget the walls. Why? Samara slapped her hand down on the schematics. It's the best chance we've ever had. If we don't move soon, they'll fix the vulnerability. There was a silence. And she knew. They fixed it. She stared at him. Didn't they? Last night? He had the grace to look ashamed, but she didn't care. And then he lifted his chin. And it's just as well. It was too risky. Too risky. Her pulse was pounding so loudly in her ears that she wasn't even sure she'd heard him correctly. Did I just hear you? The rest of the people in the cave fell back even further. Yes. Arlen crossed his arms. Just like your plan. We need to find a way to attack that we won't. You're not thinking clearly, Arlen said. The most important thing is staying safe. There is no staying safe, Samara flung back at him. None. We lost that chance when we got born on Emir. We've never been safe. Then what do you want me to do? I want you to understand what it is you're doing. You're leading the resistance, Arlen. We're all marked. We all agreed to die. What don't you get about that? There were tears in her eyes, and she dashed them away angrily. We finally had a chance. We could have gotten through those walls and gotten to the Central District before they could mobilize. We've been waiting years for something like that, and you threw the chance away. There was a ringing silence. I will not be questioned, Arlen said finally. If you aren't willing to follow me, then you can leave. No. Samara drew herself up straighter. She felt her indecision fall away and was suddenly aware of how free she was now. She knew what she had to do. 
Why hadn't she realized it before? This is how it's going to go. If you aren't willing to take action, if you want to be safe, you can go back to being just a citizen. You can go work in the mines. Arlen gave a contemptuous laugh. He looked around himself, clearly expecting support. When he saw the other members' faces, however, his smile faded. Samara closed her eyes for a moment. Why hadn't she done this sooner? I'm the one that managed to get a call off planet, she said finally. I'm the one who's been assembling teams. I've been shoring up our defenses. I run this cell now. I've been as good as running it this whole time while you've been throwing away our chances. The next time something like this comes along, her throat ached when she thought about how long that would be, but she pressed on. We'll be ready. Arlen looked at her incredulously. You can't be si- Get out, Samara said flatly. To her surprise, he actually left. He was stumbling, disbelief in his eyes. She looked around herself and had the urge to make a speech. She tamped the urge down and scooped up the papers into a pile. Keep going, she said to everyone. Fenty, we need the ammo counted and stored. Stefan, if you'd keep looking these over with me, we need to see if we can find a different vulnerability. Stefan nodded. He was smiling, clearly pleased with the change of affairs. And as he came to join Samara at the table, she tried not to smile as well. When we get another chance, she told herself, we'll be ready. To cut to the chase first on Samara, I can't say how glad I am to see her really coming into her own and taking charge. She has a clarity that, on the one hand, is due to the fact she doesn't feel like she has much to live for. She's in love with Aaron, and Aaron is gone. But on the other hand, Samara is incredibly courageous, and she sees things in a way that neither Jacinta nor Arlen did. Or at least in a way Jacinta was not willing to act on. I don't want to discount the fact that Samara's actions are quite risky. She's open about the fact that the people under her command are going to die, and that's not something many leaders would be comfortable with. On the other hand, she knows just how desperate things are, and she's managed to write her own life off without losing her sense of purpose. She's someone who makes me glad I haven't had to make the same choices that she makes, but she's also quite brave, and honestly, she cares deeply for those around her. Talon, meanwhile, has an equally uncompromising point of view, which ends up getting taken out on Jilly. Let me state at this point that it's not my goal for every reader to agree with every choice my protagonists make. Sometimes people will strongly disagree, and sometimes even I disagree. But Talon has learned several hard lessons in seeing what happens when people turn the other cheek, and he's not feeling particularly charitable right now. Luckily for him, he has an ally waiting in the wings. Mace, someone we're about to meet next week. <laughs> <laughs>